Hello everyone, and welcome to Westover Hills. I'm Danny. And I'm Rosie, and we want to thank you for coming to church today. We're so glad you came. And before we get started, we want to let you know a little bit about us and what to expect today. If you spend just a little bit of time with us, you'll probably hear the phrase, making new, making great. It's our mission statement, and let me share what it means. Making new refers to the new life you experience when you become a Christ follower. Making great is the great life God has for all who live a life devoted to Him. We want you to experience both at Westover Hills. value your kids and it's important for them to enjoy church and learn about Jesus. That's why we provide age-appropriate classes designed just for them during all service times. We have a great team of staff and volunteers who offer care and classes for little ones through fourth grade. To sign up your child, stop by the registration area. Our children's check-in system allows us to keep track of all children in our care and it gives us a way to contact you if your child needs attention. You can also use the system to alert us of your child's allergies, medical conditions, or special needs. If you're not comfortable leaving your child somewhere new on your first visit, we understand. So you are welcome to attend classes with your child until they have adjusted. For parents with newborns, we have a wiggle giggle room in the back of the auditorium, which you can use until your child is a few months old and ready for the nursery. If you keep your child in the auditorium with you, please be courteous to those around you and step outside if your child begins crying. Westover Students is a great place for students from 5th to 12th grade to hang out with friends and grow closer to God with worship and teaching that speaks to their age group. We offer midweek and weekend experiences for 5th through 8th grade in the Student Center across the parking lot from our main auditorium. Check our website for service times. High school students have their own service on Wednesday nights in the gym. We have something for everyone. And if you're a senior adult looking for a more traditional church experience, we have a classic service every Sunday at 8.30 and 10 a.m. in room 201. Take the elevator or stairs just across the hallway from the main auditorium. Service will be starting in a few minutes, so get ready for the worship team to lead us as we celebrate God and seek His presence. We encourage expressive worship, so feel free to clap and lift your hands as we sing. One of our pastors will then share a message before we end with a formal dismissal. All together, we'll be here just over an hour. Hope we answered any of your questions and you got to know us a little better. If you still have questions or want to know more about us, visit us online at westoverhills.church, on our Facebook page at Westover Hills, or download the Westover app. Thanks again for joining us and have a great time today at church.
praise and celebration. Yes, God. It's all about you, Jesus. At this moment, I wanna invite our prayer team to come forward and as they come forward, I was reminded of the word freedom. You know, in 2 Corinthians, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I believe that the presence of God wants to invade this place today. When the presence of God steps on the scene, it is a breeding ground for God to do the impossible. It is the perfect conditions, it's the perfect situation for God to do what in our mind is impossible but is 100% possible for our God. Because our God is a God of freedom. Our God is a God that looks at your situation and says, I don't want you to stay there. I've made a way for you. God is in this place today to bring freedom. And so if you're facing something, I wanna invite you to come forward. We're gonna pray over you and we're gonna declare freedom in this place. We're gonna invite the presence of God to completely invade this moment. Father, your presence is welcome in this place. Lord, we want your spirit to reign. Lord, we know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Father, I declare that this is an atmosphere of freedom. Lord, I declare that tonight is a night of freedom. I declare that your spirit has full reign in this place. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor because you have given us a way to walk in freedom. And so, Father, tonight we cast our crowns, we cast our fears down at your feet. Meet us at this place, Jesus. Do what only you can do, God. Fear is changing now. 
Tom. Claim your miracle this evening. A miracle can happen now. For the Spirit of the Lord is
Passover, can we lift up our voices? We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Father, thank you for meeting us in this place. Lord, thank you that we can call on you, that you answer us, that you're here, that you're speaking, that you're moving in this place. We've come to meet with you, God. Have your way in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, guys, I'm so excited. I'm glad that you've stopped right in the middle of your week, that you're here with us, you've made it. I believe that God has something awesome in store for you tonight. But before you're seated, will you turn to two or three people around you, share a smile, tell them it's a great day to be at church. joining us today at our Northwest campus. We are a place for everyone, and we hope you'll find your place at Westover Hills. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening at Westover, download our app. You can use the app to follow along with today's message, and there's a lot more you can do throughout the week. Visit the App Store or Google Play to download now. Everyone is invited to our annual celebration meeting at 5 p.m. February 16th in the auditorium. Join us as we celebrate our 2019 wins and hear Pastor Jim share our vision for the future. Now, what I have noticed about this generation is that we have taught you how to pray, and we have taught you how to serve, and we have taught you how to give, but what, I have not, what I've seen very little of is we have not taught you how to fight. And I think we have, we have forgotten to teach people how to fight, we, so we preach him as the lamb. He's the lamb. This is the gentleness, the good shepherd, the the goodness of God. And it's absolutely true, but there is another side to him. If you remember, he's not just the lamb. He is also the lion as well. And if you wake him up on that side, I'm telling you, every demon is scared. Even Satan himself don't want to put up with Jesus on that day. Friend, he is not just the lamb. He is also a lion. featured events and a complete calendar of our upcoming opportunities. A great opportunity we want everyone to check out is Growth Track. The first four Sundays of every month at 10 a.m. in room 100 will have a different step to get connected, get growing, or get involved. Whether you're new to Westover or a longtime member, there's a Growth Track for you. Find more information on our events page. And don't forget to download the Westover app where it's quick and easy to register for events, view recent messages, find a life group, and a whole lot more. Take Westover with you wherever you go with our app. Thanks for being here. We hope you enjoy the rest of the service, and we'll see you again soon. Hey, Westover, how are y'all today? Y'all look great. Y'all look fantastic. Whether you're here in the room or you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're with us today. If you are brand new to Westover, you've been with us, maybe this is your first time, or you've just come a couple of times. What we'd love for you to do is to fill out a connect card that's, right, that's found right where you're seated. 
We want you to drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by in just a moment. Just go ahead and fill it out. We want to connect with you. We want to share the heart of Westover with you and tell you about some steps that you can take to continue in your faith walk with God. Because you matter to us, you matter, you matter to God and you matter to us, and we're so glad that you're with us today. Now, one of the ways that we worship God is through giving, giving of our tithe and our kingdom builders. So I'm going to invite our ushers to come on forward. There's three ways for you to give here at Westover. If you're giving check or cash, please use a give envelope. It's found right where you're seated. You can give online or through text to give. And I want you to know that what you give each and every week makes an impact. In fact, I got a message about two days ago on Instagram, and I want to share with you. I posted something online, and this mom replied back. This, I posted something about our kids' ministry, just saying that our kids' ministry does a great job. And this is what she replied. It was my son who asked to go to Westover because his friends went there. Two years later, and we love our church. There was a friend who invited his friend. And his friend invited his mom. And now there is a family that's been transformed by the power of God. Because of your faithfulness, when you give, we take what you give, we invest it in other people's lives so that a family like this can have a making you and making great journey. I want you to know that what you give makes an impact, and I just wanted to share that with you so that you'd be encouraged. So as you give, I want you to pray not only for this family, but also for the other families that God wants to bring into our conversation. Can we go to God? God, we come to you. You've been so good. You've been so faithful, Lord. And as we give today, we give back knowing that there's people that you want to reach. Just like this mom and this son, God, you wanted to reach into their life. You wanted to encourage them. You wanted to strengthen them. And you did it through the life of a child, from one child to another child, and now a family is transformed. And I just pray, Lord, you bless that family. Bless each person as they give. Take it. Multiply it and use it to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, once again, where are my men at? You guys are catching on. You guys are catching on. I'm proud of you guys. Now, at the, at the very end of the month, the last Friday of the month, we have our men's encounter. Who's coming? Okay. Listen, I'm going to deputize all of you to bring a friend. That's your one job. What's your job? Bring a friend. Bring somebody that hasn't been to church in a while. Bring somebody who um, you've met at work that needs encouragement because God wants to work in their life. Just like he wants to work in your life, he wants to work in their life. And you may be the catalyst to the transformation that God wants to do in someone else's life. Never underestimate the power of an, invita of an invitation. It can make a difference. Just like it did for that little boy and that family. You inviting someone else can change the faith future of a family and a community. And it's all because of you. So I want to invite you to come. The event is free, 7 p.m. February uh, the 28th. We'd love to have you here. Guys, I want to see you here. Let's make it happen. Now today, I'm starting a new series called Relationship Goals. Relationship goals. Now, 
The truth is, all of us, we crave connection. We want to be connected to, connected with. In fact, we were created for a relationship. The first problem in humanity was that man or humanity was alone. So God created other people to provide relationship to Adam. Now, all of us are created for relationship, but I would say many of us, we want to be in a relationship, right? We want to be in a relationship, a romantic relationship, to be connected to someone, to be married to someone. Well, during this entire series, we're going to go from the very beginning. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about singleness. Next Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about how to date. Then we're going to talk about marriage, and then we're going to end with a conversation on intimacy. We want you to come. We want you to hear God's plan for relationships. Now, many of us, when we hear the word relationship goals, we think about something on social media, on Instagram, you know, that power couple that you admire. You think about the vacations that people go on, those Instagram-worthy vacations. And when we think about relationship goals, we say, we want that. And then we look at our life and we say, oh man, it's not that. There's a disconnect between our life and the life we see online. Well, I want to suggest to you that the life you see online is not the life and the relationship goals that God has for you. God has different goals for you and for relationships. And in this series, we're going to discover what are God's goals for our relationships. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited about taking a deep dive into what it means to live out relationship goals just the way that God designed. Now, goals are simply this. It's a plan to get to an intended outcome. It's where you aim your life to accomplish a specific goal, to accomplish something significant. And I put together this definition of relationship goals. Relationship goals are goals that focus your relationship efforts with family, friends, significant other, or spouse. I want you to begin to calibrate your mind and your heart, and even now begin to say, God, I want to know what your goals are for my relationships. I want to know what your goals are for my relationships and can I just encourage you that you would take a deep dive? For some of you, you've never taken notes before. Maybe this is a good time to start taking some notes. If you want to be successful as a single adult, this is the moment to start taking notes because God has something for you. Get your goals right and you'll get your life right. I'm going to say it again. Get your goals right and you'll get your, right, your life right. So we're going to talk today about a topic about relationship goals when it comes to being single, and I've titled my talk today, Before There Were Two. Before there were two, there was one of you, right? Before there were two, there was one of you. And we're going to look at this from the story of Adam. Now, Adam, Adam was all by himself, and there's some lessons that we can learn about singleness from Adam's life. And so we're going to go back, way back, back into time to the book of Genesis. And Genesis, the word Genesis actually means beginnings. And I think it's appropriate that we begin our conversation about relationships 
at the very beginning. So I want to invite you to join me in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. We're going to start with uh, chapter 1 first. Let's look at verse 26 and verse 27. We're going to start here and let's discover what it means to live a life of singleness and have relationship goals that align with God. Verse 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. Say image. Image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let me just pause and say this. God made man and woman to be different but complementary. And I'll just say this, that marriage, our perspective is that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. That's God's plan for marriage. So I'm just going to start by saying that. That's our position as a church. I'm starting our relationship conversation saying that if you want marriage, that's the marriage that God has for you. So let's take a look at what we can learn from the life of Adam. So the first way for us to live out a life of singleness and have relationship goals just the way that God designed is we need to start by checking our ID. So check your ID. Verse 26 and 27 says this, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now I want to pause here and say this. I'm going to highlight this. In this passage, does it say to rule over someone else? No. So I want you to keep that in mind. We are responsible to to show up in relationships with people, but we're not responsible to have power over other people. And I'm going to say this. In the church, there's this idea of submission where wives need to submit to husbands and it gets all complicated. Can I just say this? God intends for us to be submitted to him and to be accountable to one another and to be responsible to one another. And women... Yes, there is this idea of submitting, but can I just say that men, we must be submitted to God in order for our wife to be submitted to us. There's this dynamic, and really this idea of them submitting to us is really submitting to our servanthood to them, okay? So I'm just, I'm just beginning to kind of put some thoughts together in your mind and heart as we talk about relationships is that yes we need to be submitted to God and yes there is a level of submission that happens in marriage but it's really complementary and it really reflects more that God has put more responsibility on the husband to lead well so that the wife can follow and I'll say this husbands in the room let me just this is my one point for the men and the husbands in the room if you will follow God well your wife will not have any problem following you If you follow God well, your wife will not have any problem with you leading her because you're submitted. You're submitted to God. So I'll just say that and leave that there. We need to check our ID. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
Here's my question for you today. In what do you put your identity? In what do you put your identity? Is your identity wrapped up in your work, in your title, in your success, in who you're dating or who you're married to, in your bank account? Where does your identity, where is it rooted? If it's not rooted in God, you're missing out. If your identity is not rooted in God, you're missing out. Because we were created to reflect God. A lot of theologians speak of this concept, this Latin phrase. It's called imago Dei. Have you all heard of that? The imago Dei is the image of God. Incidentally, the two letters for that are I.D., God wants us to check our identity in the Imago Dei. To check our identity in the Imago Dei. We need to have our identity rooted and grounded in who God is. Not in what we do. Not in, in who we're dating or who we're married to. We need to be rooted and grounded in the identity of Jesus Christ. And if you do, what will happen is you'll have success in your relationships. You'll have success in your life. Because when you're rooted and grounded in God, you're hearing from him. And you're reflecting his likeness. Because we were created to reflect God and to rule together. So if you're married, you're created to reflect the image of God, even in the context of your relationship. So if you're single, you're intended to reflect God. If you're dating your relationship, and you should reflect God. If you're married, you're intended as a married couple and as individuals to reflect God. And if you're married, you're intended to rule together. If you're single, your job is to rule with God leading the way. Let him lead your life. And if you're a a married couple, again, let God lead you and your spouse together. You're intended to rule together. Look at this verse. It says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may what? They may rule. We were created to rule. But the only way that we can rule effectively is by rooting ourselves in God, in his identity, because he rules and reigns. Let me say it again. He rules and reigns. And if you want to know how to rule and reign, you need to let him rule and reign in your life. And if he rules and reigns in your life, you can rule and reign in this world and over the things that he's entrusted to you because he knows how to rule, and he can teach you how to rule in a way that makes sense in a way that will have impact, in a way that your spouse will receive it, in a way that your employees will receive it. But we must be willing to check our ID and let our identity be rooted in who Jesus is. So I'm going to fast forward to the next book of the Bible, Exodus. You don't have to turn there, but I want to take a page out of Exodus 20. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you do, I hope you are. Exodus 20 is where God gives the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments. And I want to share some insights from the Ten Commandments that talk about identity. Okay? When God created the Ten Commandments, he did it intentionally. Even the order matters. The first three relate to how we relate to God. Listen to this. No other gods before him. 
That's number one. Number two, no idols. And number three, honor God's name. Another version puts it, don't take God's name in vain. What I want you to notice is that there are three. Now, in the Bible, numbers matter. It's not, it's not superstitious numerology, but there's an intention in the Bible. And when, we, when you look at numbers in the Bible, they have significance. For example, there were three visitors that appeared to Abraham. Jesus ministered for how long? Three years. Jesus spent how many days in the tomb? Three. What the number three reflects is God, the Trinity, and the number three is used to indicate periods of significant spiritual impact. Anytime you see the number three reflected, it reflects that it's a significant period and it reflects the divinity of God. So when we look at those first three, from now on, my prayer is that when you look at the Ten Commandments, you will notice that those first three relate to how we interact with God. The next seven relate to how we relate to one another. Actually, the fourth actually is specifically for us as humans, and then the other ones are, are related to one another. Listen to this. Number four is keep the Sabbath or the day of rest. Can I just encourage you? If you're burning the candle at both ends, that doesn't honor God. Say it again. I know some of you are burning the candle at both ends. That doesn't honor God. Be willing to take a Sabbath moment. Number five, honor your father and mother. Number six, don't murder. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Don't commit adultery. Number eight, don't steal. Number nine, don't lie. Number 10, don't covet, which is don't desire what someone else has. It's one of the reasons why sometimes I stay off Instagram. Because I start looking at what other people are doing, and, and I want to go on this vacation, and I want this or I want that, and I just got to say, no, <laughs> you know, this is causing me to stumble. I'm going to shut this thing down. Some of you, you need to do that. You need to just get off social media because it's causing you to stumble in your spiritual walk. Here's the point. I want to share this with you. If you want to be successful in relationships, we must get our vertical relationship right to get our horizontal relationships right. Incidentally, what does that create? We need to get our vertical relationships right to get our horizontal relationships right. And what the Ten Commandments do is it actually speaks to that. It starts by saying, get your mind right, get your heart right, get your perspective right, get your rules and get your perspective and your focus on God. And as he connects with you, he will empower you to have great relationships horizontally. So if you're struggling in your relationships horizontally, what I want to encourage you to do and to decide today is that you're going to get this right. Because if you get this right, he will then have permission to speak into your life so that you can get your relationships, your horizontal relationships right. Don't try to fix your horizontal relationships until you get your vertical relationship with him right. The second way, the second way for us to have relationship goals in our singleness that align with God is to focus on your assignment. Turn to someone and say, focus on your assignment. Tell them, I'm going to focus on my assignment. We need to focus on our own assignment. Each one of you have, have your own race to run. You're not intended to run someone else's race. 
You're intended to run your own race. If you try to run someone else's race, what happens is actually you get disqualified. I don't know if, if any of you know about track. What ends up happening is you got to stay in your lane. And if you cross over into someone else's lane, what happens? Tick, you get disqualified. Don't disqualify yourself. Run your own race. Focus on your own assignment. Now I want to invite you to jump with me to Genesis chapter 2, 15. We're going to look at verse 19 through 20 and 22. Listen to this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the, all the wild animals. Then the Lord God made a woman from, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. We need to focus on our own assignment. And as we look at our life of singleness, we need to focus on the different assignments that God has for us in every season. For you see in this passage, what we notice is that there are four distinct assignments that God gives to Adam. Let's take a look. Here's the first assignment that God gave him. He said, I want you to connect with me. Our first assignment is to connect with God. Watch this, verse 15. The Lord took the man. Now this word took doesn't mean to just grab something. It actually has two meanings in the original language. Number one, it means to buy something, to pay for something. So if I go to the store and I take this to the checkout and I pay for it and then I take it home, I own it. That's what this word take means. Number two, this word took here, take, it actually means to take in marriage. It's also used to take in marriage. Now you may say, that's kind of weird. Why would the text say that? What it's really referring to is it's referring to exclusivity, it's referring to intimacy, it's referring to connection, it's referring to communication, it's referring to a closeness. And if I can put this together, God is saying, I want you to know, Adam, that I paid for you. I paid for you. I made you. It took me effort to create you. But I created you for myself. I created you to have intimacy with me, to have exclusivity with me. God created Adam for himself. But notice, Eve isn't in the picture. It's just Adam all by himself. And I want to I suggest to you that in the silence of Adam's singleness, God did two things. Number one, he told him who he was. He said, I am God. You are my creation. They had a conversation. God was helping Adam align his identity with God. And number two, he told Adam who he was. Now up until this point, there were no other humans. So God needed to tell Adam what he needed to do what he needed to accomplish, how he needed to live life. But in, this, in the silence of the singleness, God told him not only about who he was, but also said, Adam, this is who you are. And many of us, what we do is we focus so much on wanting a relationship that we fail to realize that we need to know, number one, who God is, and we need him to tell us who we are. We miss that. And when we miss that, we mess it up. When you miss 
who God is and who you are when you step into relationships that makes a mess. Can I encourage you? Connect with God first. That's your first assignment. Number two is to grow where you're planted. God intends for us to grow where we're planted. That's our second assignment. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Adam was planted in the garden. Now, God has planted each one of you in a specific place. And I want to encourage you to grow where you're planted. The job that you're in right now, grow where you're planted. The season that you're in, grow where you're planted. Some of you are in college, grow where you're planted. Some of you have a job, grow where you're planted. Some of you are in college, grow where you're planted. Some of you are in your professional career, grow where you are planted. God put him in a garden to do what? To grow. God wants to put us in a garden experience in our life so that we would grow. But it requires us to put in some work. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this, Whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your might. Grow where you're planted. But in order for us to grow where we're planted, we actually have to confront something in our life called sloth. Sloth is laziness. It's spiritual and life laziness. And if you know this, it's one of the seven deadly sins. It'll hold you back from success and significance in your life. This is what the Bible talks about when it comes to sloth. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. You work hard, you can work for yourself. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Now, I'll just tell you this, my parents, they love this verse. And if you're a parent, congratulations. You now have a verse you can quote to your kids. They quoted it to me, and I'm quoting it to you. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, you don't eat. But I want to I take this a step further and make it, make it applicable to us. We need to be people who are willing to grow where we're planted. We need to be people who are willing to work hard, to be able to put in the effort to honor God. Ecclesiastes 10.18 says this, Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Don't let the roof of your life cave in because you're not willing to put in the work. The third assignment is to work hard. Say work hard. Work hard. We need to develop as believers a culture in our life to work hard. Verse 19, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Now, Adam, he worked really hard. I don't know about you, but naming thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of animals is a lot of work. Now, I think God probably gave him one day off, but he worked six days straight. Because what else did he have to do? Did he have a wife? No. He was working and working and working and working. And probably he worked for six months to a year to 18 months. We don't know how long it took. But God said, this is your job. I want you to work hard. And so God was helping Adam cultivate this work ethic in his life. And I'm going to put it in some modern vernacular to help us out. 
Listen carefully. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. If you want to get ahead in your job, work hard. Because you can outwork the person with talent. It's like the story of the rabbit and the tortoise. The tortoise starts off great, but sometimes he gets distracted. But what does the tortoise do? He keeps going and going and going, and he finishes the race. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Number two, nothing worthwhile is ever easy. If it's easy, it's probably not worthwhile. And then this is my favorite quote from General Norman Schwarzkopf. He was the general in the first Gulf War. This is what he said. Success is sweet, but the secret is sweat. Success is sweet, but the secret is sweat. It's hard work. It's grit. It's determination. It's saying, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pursuing. I'm going to keep moving forward. The Bible talks about working hard. It says this in Proverbs 14. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Guys, big talk is not the same as big hustle. Big talk is not the same as big hustle. And I'll tell you, there are ladies in the church who are watching whether you have hustle. They're looking for hustle more than muscle. Now, if you have muscle, then it's going great for you. But if you've got both... Winner, winner, chicken dinner for you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, guys. I worked, I worked for a decade as a counselor. Uh, broke ain't cute. Okay? For a lady, broke ain't cute. And I'll say this. For a lot of women, financial security isn't everything, but it's important. Because they're relying on you to show up financially. It's not all about the Benjamins. Money can't buy you love, and you shouldn't buy love, but it can sure ensure that the people that you love feel safe and secure. We need to be people who are willing to work hard. Let me give you this one final verse. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Some of us, we need to upgrade our life before we upgrade our relationship status. Get your money up. It's not about the money. It's about your willingness to work hard. And what it communicates to the people around you, that you're responsible, that you are reliable, and that you're going to take care of them. And I'll say this, guys, we live in a culture that says, easy, easy. But in order to have a life of success and significance and to have a significant other standing right next to you, you being able to have financial stability is very important to her. And because it's important to her, it should be important to you. Because if it's not important to you, you're not going to be important to her. That's how it works. The fourth assignment is this, that God gave Adam, is let God bring someone to you. Let God bring someone to you. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he did what? He brought her to the man. Ladies, don't go chasing a guy. Don't, don't go chasing a guy. 
get this right. And can I encourage you ladies? Be financially stable as well. Work hard. Work hard. Now let me talk to the guys. Straight talk, man to man. Let God bring the lady to you. And I'm just going to say this. If you are a guy here and you are playing the field, I am giving the ladies permission to talk to me. I am a pastor, but I'm also a father. And if you're playing the field, guys, I'm allowing the women to talk to me, to tell me, and rest assured, we're going to have a conversation. Because that kind of business is not what the church is all about. God is inviting us to elevate how we operate in the church. And I'll say this, we men, we need to respect the women, the sisters and the fellow believers in our house. They need to experience, they need to experience honor and respect from us. It's one of the reasons why in the Bible we see consistently that the ladies always sought out Jesus because he was the one man who would show them respect and honor and would serve them and would care for them. And we, as believers, we need to do the same thing. Men, we need to do that. We need to lead from the front so that the women say, you know what, those men, they follow Jesus. So I'm going to say, from now on, let's stop playing the field and let's play and do relationships the way God ordains. Can we agree to that? Can we agree to that? But it does require us to have conversations, okay? You can't just expect God to bring someone to you, ladies, unless he brings you the FedEx guy. <laughs> or the Amazon Prime guy, okay? Now, if you have a story, you're the exception. But if you want God to bring someone into your life, you need to prepare your own life. Man, the same for you. And then you need to have conversations, I've talked to so many women that say, I don't have anybody in my life. And I say, well, how many conversations are you having? Well, none. I'm expecting God to bring someone to me. <laughs> well, let's take a page out of the life of Adam. When God brought Eve to Adam, this is what he said. She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because she came from me. He was talking to Eve. You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And so what I'm saying this is that we need to have... If you are in a place where you want to have a relationship with someone and you're just friends or you want to get to know someone, you actually have to have a conversation. You actually have to put in some work. You have to talk. Now, they need to be sanctified conversations. And I'm going to say this. This is risky to say. In the body of Christ, there should be no sexting. Guys, you should not be asking for inappropriate pictures or having inappropriate conversations with someone you're not married to. Now, married couples, you can do what you want, but here's the thing. What happens when your phone gets hacked? <laughs> the rules are a little different when you're married, but what happens if your phone gets lost? And I would say just avoid it altogether. Now, I'll just say this for my own life, and I know my wife's not here, but I'm sure some of you will tell her this, because it always happens. I tell a story about her, and inevitably it gets back to her. Probably there's somebody texting her right now. 
But when I came to San Antonio, Danae had just arrived. She had come from Sagu. She was finishing up her degree here. And I came into San Antonio. And she was not looking for a relationship. And I definitely wasn't looking for a relationship. Because I had just got here. But here's what happened. God had relationship goals for us. He had something in mind for us. And I like to remind my wife, and I know she may watch this, but I want to remind you, babe, that uh, God imported a tall, dark, and handsome Latin man for you. (laughs) I got imported for you. I just want to remind you. And God wants to import someone into your life. They can come from another state. They can come from another place. But here's what I will say. In that moment in our life, we were getting educated. We were pursuing God. And God was the one that brought us together. God was that one that brought us together. And he wants to be the one to bring you together. Because if you try to force a relationship that isn't in God's plan, guess what? It's going to make a mess. Don't do it. I'll say this very, very briefly. There is in the culture an idea called the success sequence. And this is the success sequence. If you want to have financial stability and financial wealth, this is the success sequence as defined by researchers. Number one, get educated. Number two, work hard. Number three, get married. And number four, have kids. If you do this in this order, you'll have success. Now, if you've done things out of order, you can still have success But God says, this is my best and perfect plan to do it this way. Get educated, work hard, get married, and have kids. And this is what we see from the life of Adam, this sequence. Now, as I close, I'm going to share a section that I've entitled, Dear Single Friends. Dear Single Friends. And I'm going to share the first two with you, and then the other ten are going to be on my social media tomorrow. So I'm going to share two. I'm going to share 12 in total, but I'm going to share the first two with you, and then I'm going to share the other 10. I'm going to share all 12 today, but then I'm going to share the other 10 on my social media. So just check this out. Number one, work while you wait so your weight isn't wasted. Work while you wait so your weight isn't wasted. Number two, Cute doesn't pay the bills. Grit and hustle do. Find someone with all three. Number three, doing God's will, not finding Mr. Right is your divine assignment. Number four, singleness is not a jail sentence. It's a superpower. Use it to change your church, your community, and the world. Number five, don't try to find the right person. Become the right person. You'll attract the type of person you're attracted to. Don't try to find the right person. Become the right person, and you'll attract the person that you're attracted to. Number six, don't let past mistakes pollute future relationships. Leave your past where it belongs in the past. Marriage will not heal your past, your pain, your sin, or your secret addictions. Solve your struggles while you're single. Don't bring that baggage into your marriage and into your relationship because number seven, 
No, this is number eight. Marriage is a magnifier. It will either magnify your mess or God's message. Number nine, let God have admin rights, not just comment status on your relationships. A veto on the front end is better than feeling devalued on the back end. Number 10, no relationship is better than a bad relationship. How many of you can say amen to that? No relationship is better than a bad relationship. Number 11, no one will complete you, only God can. Come complete and you'll find someone that compliments you. A partner that compliments you. If you're looking for someone to complete you, you're going to get into codependency. And codependency is a mess. You don't want anything to do with that. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Danae, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. And number 12, and finally, listen to this. Worship while you wait. Intimacy with God precedes intimacy with someone else. We need to be people who are willing to worship. We need to be willing to seek the heart of God. We need to be willing to say yes to God. God has relationship goals for you wherever you're at, and especially to our singles. God loves you. He values you. He wants you to value yourself the way he values you. And so what we're going to do tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to worship. So I want to invite you to stand. And if you want to experience the intimacy of God, this, this moment is your moment. Intimacy with God is more important, and it comes before intimacy with someone else. And if you want to experience God in a powerful way, we're going to worship. And here's what I would say. I also want to issue a special invitation. If any of you are here and you're single or maybe you're even dating or even married, and you have a broken heart, come to God. Let him heal your heart tonight. Team, would you lead us into the presence of God? Let's seek the intimacy of God today. Cause you are the way maker, miracle worker. 
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, Westover, lift your voice to him today. When they miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, you're touching every heart. I worship you, and I worship you. You are
praise in the house. Yes, God, you are good. You have plans for us. You want us to pursue you. Help us, God, as a church to cultivate intimacy with you. And out of that intimacy, would you empower us to love the people around us that you've entrusted to us, God. I pray for all of the people here, God. Those who are single, those who are dating, those who are married, God. Those who are brokenhearted, those who are struggling, God. Those who are having success, God. May they discover you. And in that intimacy, would you tell them not only who you are, but who they are and whose they are. We need you, God. We entrust this to you. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Let's give him praise. Well, it's been an absolute delight to have you here at Westover. We'd love to have you come back with us and join us next week. God bless you and you are dismissed.